You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Our speaker this morning is Chuck Kennedy. Awesome Chuck. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your love, your goodness, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. And we just confess, Lord, how wonderful, how powerful, and how great you are. We acknowledge that your word has the power to change, transform. It it is so incredibly wonderful. We thank you for it. And we thank you for those that you have given to the church as teachers. And we acknowledge, Lord, that you have anointed Chuck Kennedy Kennedy with, with the ability and the grace and really the office of a fivefold teacher. We thank you for his ability to hear you in the scripture. We thank you for his ability to break the word of life and make it living and alive, living bread today. So we pray that your blessing would rest upon our brother. We receive him in the name of Jesus, and we look forward to the full reward that we get when we receive one as one having been sent by you. And so that's our heart posture today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and receive all your love manifested through your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't, I recommend you get a copy of one of these. It says, Holy Spirit and me. So today's sermon's on narcissism. Holy Spirit, me. That's a joke. Okay. <laughs> Before we get started, I just want to read one quick scripture and then we'll open in a short prayer. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Father, we just want to open our hearts right now and receive the Holy Spirit, that we receive this word of truth, that in you we can see the glory that has been hidden for centuries and know you, not abstract, not at a distance. We know you internally as a loving, giving, stunning Lord. We just thank you, Jesus. In your name. <clears throat> Actually, I'm not really using this today. The Holy Spirit shifted my gears about midweek, and it's, you're going to find out why probably, because based on everything that's going on in the church today, it's going to pair up to it. So when you look at almost all belief systems or religions, they all carry this component of you, first you've got to get in, then you got to work to stay in. And Paul kind of relates to that when he talks about Judaism because he talks about getting in and then he has three main markers of how you stay in. There's circumcision, dietary law, and celebrating Sabbath and, and holy days. And so because of... I'll get to it. Because... because When you see it throughout the Bible, you'll hear them talking about those kind of things. 
But Christians are set apart differently. It's so unique in it versus anything else. There's two components, faith and the Holy Spirit. When we come to faith and we receive the Holy Spirit, we're marked very, very differently. We're marked by a faith and a spirit that's expressed by power in the love of God, transforming us and changing us. We form community and relationship, both with God and with one another. So what happens is we get saved. It means we join to a people of God. And so by the Spirit, we live as saved people. We're brought by the Spirit to live the life of heaven on earth. Also by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, we're being led by the Spirit. The Spirit implants the faith by which we believe. It's the same Spirit that makes optional righteousness impossible. Righteousness becomes permanent in us. Calm down. The life of the Spirit's creating an end-time people. That we live in the future and in the present. We live in the kingdom that's now inaugurated in the kingdom to come. And we see the kingdom of the future breaking in on a regular basis. We see the Holy Spirit changing us and molding us and making us totally different people as we're born again. The old is dead, the new is raised. And this is who we are. This is how our relationship with the Holy Spirit begins. Our heart, our mind, has so changed that our righteousness moves us from having an obedient heart rather than just being dutiful to do observances and rituals. The Spirit-filled people not only want to please God, but they're empowered to do so. That looks like Romans 12. Yes. I'm using the, uh, the Passion Translation. When you look at Romans 12, uh, it says... Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live in a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. The transforming of the mind, the transforming of our spirit, is the essential initial taste of the Holy Spirit that we receive. That everything in our life becomes changed because the Holy Spirit's expressed by love and displayed by mercy and truth. Only the Holy Spirit can teach us pure truth and allow us to live in an understanding of God's will. When we look at John 14, which I think is what she had up there, I'm not sure. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name, and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. 
The Holy Spirit does so much more. He's the power on earth that teaches us all things in Christ. It makes all mysteries open to us as Jesus seeks to reveal them to us. We become aware and become understanding of the kingdom living in us and around us. We become totally new. It's a little bit of a long passage, but in 1 Corinthians, I, I didn't want to just cut out any pieces of it. Chapter 2 talks about this. And this is really where the, the guts of this sermon is coming from. Is in this transformation, it says, However, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually mature. It's wisdom that didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God, hidden before now in a mystery. It is his secret plan, destined before the ages, to bring us into glory. None of the rulers of this present world, uh, this present world order understood it. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. This is why the scriptures, scriptures say, things never discovered or heard before, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. So I want to ask you a question. This sounds odd, but what is truth? We know of truthful statements. We know of truthful things. What is truth? Does anyone have an idea? God's word is truthful. I'm going to use this as a different definition. Truth is the reality through God's eyes. Because other things are truthful. But truth is, at, is reality as God sees it. So when you come to know Jesus, you see his reality, what he sees. When you come to know the Father. But the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing into us the reality of what God sees in his created people. In what God sees in all of his creation. And we also see what God sees as his will and his intention that is being thwarted sometimes. So, if being transformed and, and made mature is a process, what happens when my reality comes in conflict with God's truth? And I'm telling you what, it happens. Because when I'm in a real situation, I have a hard time sometimes seeing God's truth. When you're in a hospital bed, and everyone's saying, be joyful, sometimes I have trouble seeing God's reality. And you know what? There, that's, that's an easy example. Sometimes when someone makes a little comment to me, what God sees as truth in me gets distorted, and I can receive a lie like that. And that's where the Holy Spirit really comes in. I think that we sometimes forget that every time that my reality differs from God's reality, I am forced to make a decision. I must choose one. 
and I don't have any other choice. I've got to choose one. And I'm going to use an example. I'm going to get someone to be the Holy Spirit for me. How about you? Now, a lot of you know him as Marcus, but today, he, what you're going to name him going to be? God. Dunamis. Dunamis. He's going to be Dunamis for us today. He's power of the Holy Spirit. Dynamite. <laughs> All right. Now, Marcus, keep an eye here. All right. You're going to make sure that my reality versus God's reality, I'm always choosing God's. So, someone has just insulted me, and I feel really lousy, and I'm saying, I'm no good. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Let me walk this way? Well, come on, you better grab me. <laughs> and drag me over to what? Right here. But, he, but you know what? It, it says the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. That means someone that comes alongside of me. It also says he's the Holy Spirit that speaks truth. So while he's pulling me over, he's saying, Chuck, you're okay. okay. And he's telling me what he's planted in me to keep me from being over there. Thanks, Marcus. You were what? Dying on Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. As you can tell, me and Marcus, we hang. You know, we sometimes overlook that the Holy Spirit's totally engaged in that process. And if you've ever wondered how in the world, while you're under a burden, that you find yourself under a stronghold, how did that process of you falling into agreement with the wrong one, how did that ever happen? It's so subtle because it happens so many times, even in one day, that we make these constant decisions. Of what is truth in God's eyes, what is truth in our eyes. That's what he keeps saying. What the world calls truth is no longer truth. And the Holy Spirit has now come into me as I've come to Christ. And he said, the old is dead, the new has risen, and this is who I've planted in you. You know, there's a, I made a little thing, and I just called it, the three areas of human experience that are expressed in the Bible. And I kind of wanted to look at that because this is where you see this, this mispairing all the time. And the first one is, it'll, it'll be, it'll, it'll, it's like a courtroom. Paul loves this image, okay? And so you'll hear these terms about you uh, being just or justified, righteous, because the condition is you're guilty. We are guilty, but the result is we're made innocent. The sentence has been borne by Christ. This is God's yes over wrath, and it's his declaration over you that you're innocent. You are forgiven. You're set free, no longer to be retained. The second one is the temple image. And there you hear those, those terms, appropriation, atonement, and so forth. What's our condition? We're unholy. We're unclean. The result is we're made holy because we're cleansed and washed by the blood of Christ once and for all. Again, this is God's yes over wrath. You are holy. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews, it makes it so cool. I, I can't remember which chapter now. Chapter 10? Chapter 10, verse 10, it says, you're made holy. 
Then it goes in chapter 14 or verse 14 and says, you're being made holy. Because it's continuous of kingdom now, kingdom not yet. But in the interim, it's a kingdom that's initiated, that's it's moving, and we're part of this. So we're moving with this. So yes, you are holy in Christ. And the Holy Spirit's speaking that to you constantly. Everything else you hear is telling you the opposite. And this is where the Holy Spirit's so important. Because how many times have you felt unclean? And you have allowed a voice to speak that into you when the Holy Spirit and Jesus are saying, I didn't do this for nothing. My blood has cleansed you and you are now holy. Then we have the other example that he uses a lot is slaves or the, or the exile image. And there we see the terms of the blood and redemption and so forth because the condition is bondage. And here he says, you're declared free. Paid for by the work of the cross, God's declaration is, you are free. If you're a slave, I paid for your bond and set you free. If you were in bondage, I broke the chains and released you. I threw the door open and you've been released. And this is what the Holy Spirit is constantly proclaiming. And we keep on overlooking. And I... I'm going to tell you why it's personal. Is because I had a hard time with it. I, I carried guilt. I carried shame. And I kept saying I was, I was a Christian. I was born again. But there was always that little bit, that little charcoal smudge on the shirt that you couldn't see it, but that's all I stared at. You, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I couldn't get away from it until I finally come to a realization that the Holy Spirit was speaking truth. I was born again. The old is dead. I am now, I am innocent. I am holy and I am free. I'm not what I used to be because that guy died. Just as Jesus is not what he used to be, he's in, he is risen and sits, sits at the right hand of the Father. The, bodily, I mean. He, he was, he's always Jesus. I just want us to kind of get a capture picture of that. That everywhere you walk, there's holiness. Everything you speak is the voice of a lamb, and you're free. You can say no to anything. Every sin that comes or temptation that comes towards you, you are now empowered to be obedient to God, and now you can say no. And it means it. And that's so fundamentally different from anything, any get help book, uh, have a good attitude book, they don't work. Because they try to have you put on the backpack of confidence. I'm confident. I'm going to walk around confident. Here, he says, take off everything else and put me on put on the goat the coat that i've given you and so you have been a new person and i'm here's what the here's the other part of this do you realize how many times throughout the bible there is an invitation to the throne room 
you hear about the tearing of the veil. The tearing of the veil was not so Jesus could get out, or God could get out, it's so that we went in. And we don't accept that invitation. We, we do pray that the Holy Spirit comes to us. But do we say, Lord, I'm coming into your presence and pray that we are going to come directly to the king in the throne and say, let me plead my case. Let me give you my condition and say, I'm here. I'm going to tell you why I don't do it. I never did before. Because I had this lingering guilt, this lingering I'm not worthy to step there. So I hung around the outer courts and I watched the... The other people go in and out, but I hung around the edges, and I didn't step in. The Holy Spirit's telling you today, you are worthy. You are born again, and you are his child. You're both innocent, holy, and the only holy presence in front of him. You're free to come, and you're free to go, and he wants to see you in his presence. See, Love, you know, when you read the, love, the whole love chapter in Corinthians, one, there's one verse in there. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. The evil they're talking about is the way the world looks at all of us. It looks at, I was joking earlier, so I'm going to say it again. It looks at Jim Coleman and the world says, oh, that's an old guy. You know, he's, he's an honorary guy, and he likes the Cardinals, so he can't be too good. But the world's looking at him and says, that's my son. I'm so in love with this guy, I'm going to lavish him with as much love as I can lavish him with. Love that's like doesn't belong on this earth. And I'm going to bestow on him the title, son of the most high God. Because that's what he is. That was 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Read that again. It's so cool. <laughs> the reason I love that so much, John writes that when he's over 90-some years old. I've mentioned this before, I think, a couple years ago. He's 90-some years old. He's seen it all. He's seen Jesus, every one of his miracles. He saw the transformation. He saw the, Jesus at the cross. He saw the resurrection. He saw Jesus ascend. But it still just blows his mind that we're children of God just blows his mind. You know, we need to put a little more value on our own salvation. We need to look at and say, wow, this was pretty amazing. Because I don't deserve any one of those three conditions. I should be judged guilty. I should be unclean. And I should be in bondage. I should be thrown in jail and thrown away the key. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I love you so much. That will never be you. In my eyes, it'll never be you. So that, here's what I want you to think about. I'm going to just call this, I called this the upward spiral of love, and then I wrote, the pro, I wrote this thing down, and I did it upside down. So, it, but, so we're going to read from top to bottom instead of from bottom up. What you start with is belief. And so when, I was given the example of, of Marcus pulling me back to God's truth. I'm having a hard time believing it, but I'm going to force myself and say it over again and over again and over again. God is true. What he says is true. I have to accept that. 
as you move into that, you, start, you develop a conviction. A, you develop a confidence. And now when you said that, you're not sure why, but you just know it's, it's true. That moves you into an area of security. And that security brings you into, you just know you're safe with God. You know it's a wonderful thing to be in the presence of a God when you know you're his child. I'm rephrasing Hebrews 10. that says it's a terrible thing to be in the presence of a living God. But when we, when we know you're his child, there's nothing more present, more beautiful. The security you feel is so profound. And it's in that security now you become intimate. And in that intimate, you can share with him everything that's on your heart, big and small. And from that intimacy, you foster love. And your love of God becomes so, the most powerful thing ever. The great part about this is that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, but that's in community. The fruit of the Spirit is always in community. So now that you've understood and you've been loved, you've accepted love and you've learned how to love, I can now reach out to someone else and be love, release love, and it'll be the kingdom love. And then, just like I said, that love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. I can rejoice now in the truth of who you are, who you are, and now joy has overflowed, and that is felt in community. And then we end conflict. We love one another, and we bring peace. <coughs> what we now have become are, is, is step by step closer and closer to Christ-likeness. Christ was put on a cross as an innocent man, and he never, ever, ever changed his point of that. He knew he was innocent. He knew he was holy. He was treated like he was unclean, and he was treated, and he was taken prisoner. But he knew he was free, and he has given that to each and every one of us, and, he ex and his love was always apparent. And now, when we move, we move in power because we know who we are in God. We know who we are in the Son, and we know who we are in the Spirit. And so now when we pray, we're not praying to a mysterious cloud, unformed. We're, we're praying to someone who's so intimate to us that we've shared every little tiny secret. And he shared himself to us, every little secret. And he reveals to us, sometimes in dreams and sometimes in, as we read his word, intimate nuances to his character. So when we pray, he's saying, I know you. And, and now our power has changed because it's not about us anymore. It's all about the, the love that we have developed and learned to share with God, share with each other, and that what happens to our circumstances becomes so secondary that it's really not that terribly important. To the point that if someone says something to me that is in conflict with what God has told me, I instantly recognize the liar in that conversation. I don't mean to be that harsh, but <clears throat> that some people will say things about you or to you. They have no idea how, how damaging they're trying to be and you can reject it completely. I know someone who was born in an orphanage. You know, every time it says, Jesus says, I won't leave you like an orphan, just hated that. 
and, and thought, you know, God doesn't love orphans. And her self-image was so messed up because of this. And now she reads it over and over and over. Paul talked about adoption. And having lived in that orphanage, she knew what that meant, to be adopted, to have a mom and a dad when she didn't have a mom and a dad. And so she says, God has got to be the biggest heart in the world. We, do we see that same thing all the time? And do we see God's heart in us? There's one last thing I want to talk about really quick. And that is the Spirit is going to ask you to join him to step in that gap. He's going to ask you that when I'm battling between truth and lies, he may ask you to step into the gap with him and talk to me. He may say, when I'm over here and I'm feeling lousy, and you come and go, how's it going, Chuck? And I go, fine, Rick's favorite. <laughs> and you, you kind of know something was wrong. What's up? You have become the Holy Spirit stepping in the gap. And you know what? You only have, only takes one qualification. Jesus. He's with you. He's got the Holy Spirit in you. That's the only qualification you need. Don't wait till you're holy enough to share the Lord. Wait till you're really low enough to need the Lord. Then you're qualified. So don't forget that you're going to be called to step into that gap with the Holy Spirit. We had an example with, with Gloria and Michelle, probably the most beautiful letter we ever saw read in this church, where the Holy Spirit touches someone else to help someone else get through that spot. So the Holy Spirit is always moving. And he doesn't always use, quote-unquote, Christians. He'll, he'll grab somebody that you would never dream of that will speak to you, and you'll say, oh, my goodness, where did that come from? It happens all the time. Let it happen. Be receptive. You have the Holy Spirit discerning things for you. So that way, as you're going through your gift of discernment, you, sometimes we discern things just because we're cheap, but sometimes you have to be giving in your heart, giving of your time, and, and, and let it go. You know, today we, we are hearing these, these incredible songs, Reckless Love of God. We're hearing, Gloria, what was the name of the other song? Last one. Yes, just proclaiming over and over. So I got two seconds left. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say this. If any one of you has never really felt the Holy Spirit moving in them, if you, don't, if you never really think you've really felt the Holy Spirit, maybe you're stuck, don't leave here without reaching out to someone. Or if today... You want someone to say, you know what, I know exactly, what you're, I feel like I'm a wreck. I don't feel the Holy Spirit loves me at all. Don't leave today without reaching out to someone. You got connect cards. If you want, that's a perfect place to put it, jot down. I would love to talk to someone about this. And you put on there confidential. 
And if you have a specific person you want to talk to you, if it's Rick, if it's Linda, if it's anyone, put it on there. We'll try to get it relayed to them. This is one of the things about that Connect card is when you take the sermon and something connects to you, if you want additional feedback, additional information, use your Connect card. But if nothing else, connect to the Holy Spirit. Spend time with Him. He just gets a big kick out of you, and you just don't realize it. And, you know, if you think you're the worst sinner in the world, good. That's the first step. So, enjoy the Holy Spirit. He really enjoys you. And then build to that point and step into the, into the throne room. And hear eternity for the first time. It's nothing like it, so... Let's close in prayer. Let's all, I'll tell you what, let's uh, all stand. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come. If you, can, if you can't stand, that's okay. Holy Spirit, we're going to ask you that you come right now. We're going to ask that truth, who I am in your eyes, floats down and touches me. I want you to get an image of what you see the Holy Spirit is coming. If it's fluttering like a dove, as it's described in the Bible, if it's, if it's, a, if it's a cloud like in Solomon's temple, if, however you picture Holy Spirit coming down to you, allow the Holy Spirit to come down to you and speak to you about who you are, the truth of who you are. Holy Spirit, come. We have a room of your children. Your children are saying, Dad, who do you see? And Holy Spirit is saying, I see my daughter. I see my son. I see those in whom I'm most proud. I never hold back saying that you're my child. My grace is upon you. Right over on this side, the Holy Spirit's already hovering. Let the Holy Spirit come down. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come now. On you right now. He's just opening up all your heart right now to him. And he's saying, I love you, Lord like I've never loved anyone before. I've loved you before you ever even knew you were around. Do you realize that God said before he said, let us, he said, I will. And your name is on that. God love you. We just thank you, Lord. prayed I said Lord I said I just feel so sad I feel depressed I just feel stressed I said I don't know what to say to these people and the Lord just spoke to me just as clear as a bell and he said and I wrote it in my Bible because it was so meaningful he said do the right thing at the right time for the right reason and there should be no condemnation on you 
And from that day forward, whenever I hear stuff come at me that wants to, like these people that want to, it's like you bringing, Marcus bringing you back. The Holy Spirit just brought me right back and said, don't worry about what these people say. The Lord said, if we do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, that's what he, that's his truth. That's all we have to hear. His truth, like Chuck said, because God's trying to tell us that. Give it to me. I'll get feedback. I guess I should go. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I want to respond to this after a little performance as we play the Holy Spirit. I was blessed to get this thing brought right here to reality. God bless you, Chuck. Thank you. That's the way to reach out and restore. Amen. That's you know what's the dynamite? Roar! <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, to this very day, I can still remember the very first day I walked into this church. Marcus was in the lobby, and he greeted me with this big beaming, joyful greeting. And old Uncle Chuck was about half hung over, and like, man, oh man, who is this guy? <laughs> he never forgot my name. That's what brought me back. You wonder why I, why I ever came back. Marcus knew my name. I, just wa- I was just one of those guys that wanted to be seen. And it allowed me to find out that the Holy Spirit sees me. Yeah. And a few other of you started talking to me and whatnot. But, you know, we are such important cogs in the kingdom. And our kingdom machinery, if you will, is love. It's just like, that's the fuel, that's the lubricant, that's what makes it go. And when someone just says, how are you doing? There's so much to that. So we have more in the series. It's almost noon. I know a few of you had to leave a little bit early. But I just want you to know, as we get ready to close in prayer, that I consider everyone here my friend. I don't know everyone real well. But... I just look at it, I have been gifted by so much, by what you have given, that you've been effective and wonderful tools of the Holy Spirit. Because Mrs. Kennedy says, I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> but she's glad. <laughs> but, all right. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, just the intimacy that we have with you that brings us into a level of love that's unimaginable. Peace beyond recognition, beyond description. You've allowed us to become who you intended us to be. You created each of us so different, different personalities, different interests, that you've created us all in your image. And your image is showing through. It doesn't take too many minutes to meet after meeting one of us to know that we're your children. <coughs> that family resemblance is very clear. So we ask you, Lord, continue to allow that to grow. Allow us to see others in a way that we've never seen others. So that we see what you see and we can pour into that what you've already started. Let us water the seeds you've planted in these, in, in so many people. 
Rich people think that they're done too much. Poor people think that they're not good enough. So many people think that they don't belong in your kingdom. And Lord, we just want us to be your messenger of hope, truth, and joy shared with the love of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.